you come up with your vision for your business, right? And you spend some time, you look as a team, you know, what do we want to do? What do we want to do in one year, three years, 10 years from now? And using that vision, you start to shape the strategy. So whether it's on an annual basis, quarterly basis, whatever it might be, you do an internal assessment, like we mentioned, you know, you look at your strengths, your weaknesses, and you get your assessment from there. But you also want to do an external assessment too, right? So looking at the industry as a whole, looking at Mm. the geography that you lend in or that you work in, right? So what industry trends are happening in this area? What's the competition doing? What technologies come out that's setting you ahead of your competitors? Or what could you look at from an AI perspective? Yep. Thanks for tuning in to the Canadian Private Lenders Podcast, the show about starting a private lender in Canada, the mortgage industry, and the real estate industry. Your hosts are Neil Andrino and Ryan McNeil. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's episode 13 of the Canadian Private Lenders Podcast with your hosts, Ryan and Neil. Neil, how are you making out, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. A little bit sick this time around, so I'm going to be a little nasally. So I apologize in advance to everyone if I sound a little weird. But uh, Sorry, I'm always nasally, so (laughs) join the deviated septum club. (laughs) (laughs) An aside really quick is when we used to record Master Keys, I used to always ask them if they could like turn up the bass a little bit, make my voice sound a little more (laughs) deep. I'm like, can you pretend like I'm a bigger man than I am, please? Um, That's hilarious. Anyways, that's trade secrets. Let's just roll with that. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so episode 13, we're in 2024 now. By the time this comes out, we'll definitely be deep into 2024. And we want to go over a recap from last year and and prep for this year. Yeah, that's the big thing we want to cover today, Neil, is uh, business planning. And how you can kind of prep yourself for the upcoming year and yeah. also a recap of the past year. But before we get into it, I've been uh, thinking about this one for a little while. And I know you and I have briefly touched on it, but uh, there was an article, I think it was CBS recently, but I've seen it in a couple different places, just talking about the lessening importance of university degrees in terms of the employment. Mm. And obviously, we've seen this trend recently with. A much bigger demand coming for trades, but I thought some of these numbers were pretty staggering. In the U.S., and this is over the past year, 45% of employers eliminated a degree requirement for certain roles, and 72% prioritized skills and experience over diplomas, which is probably not that surprising, but I think the fact that those those skilled trades are being in such high demand for, you know, obviously when in our industry for construction and many other sub-trades related to it, that's uh, in dire need right now. But I just thought this was very interesting. And the, the deprioritization of university degrees. Thoughts? I have so many things to say. <laughs> First, I agree with you. I've seen these articles everywhere. And I'm always asking people now, I'm like, are you going to be hard-pressed? Like, are you going to be pushing your kids aggressively towards university? Or do you think they're, you're going to be open to them looking at other options? Because I know for like my parents, like university was a mandatory and they were doing it because from their generation, if you had a university degree, you were so much further ahead of everybody else. And I get mixed reviews on that. I'd say some people say, no, I'm not as hell bent that they go do it. Like I did a lot of it and it didn't make a huge impact. I do still get a lot of people who say, yes, the trades are great or skilled physical labor is definitely paying potentially more right now. But they look at the long term and they say, I'm just concerned that in the long term, it might have some negative health effects. 
But the bigger thing, like one thing that always comes across my mind whenever I see these articles and these headlines is it's like 45% of employers. And I'm like, I always want to know, they have to start putting in like, how many people did they survey? Because I'm like, that is a very bold claim to say that half of employers are saying that university degree doesn't matter. I'm not that I disagree, but I'm always just like, how can they make these huge statements? Like, are they, how many, does it say, are you going to check right now to see how many it says? I'm going to check, but I, I believe it was in the hundreds. Okay. So it was a substantial number. Yeah. <laughs> but I hear you. Know, it's, if it, you know, maybe it's four businesses, right? And half of them are responding. <laughs> they don't need university degrees. Yeah. So. It's also the types of yeah. businesses that they're asking. I'm like, if you hit up 30 construction-based companies, there's a good chance that 25 of them are going to be like, it doesn't really matter. But then if you hit up like 30 technology companies, I bet you 29 of them are going to say that it does matter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely industry dependent. There's no question about that. I can't seem to find the number here, but I seem to recall it being in the hundreds. It, it seemed reliable to me as I read through it, but um, you know, fair point. Yeah. And I'm not like picking on it saying it's not reliable. I just, like I said, I always see these as every article now, the headlines always like 70% of Americans think that their water is not safe to drink. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, did you actually like what quantity of people are you asking this to? (laughs) But uh, yeah, anyways, all to say that it is interesting. I think things are changing. Also the cost. That's the thing I think a lot of people are facing right now is they're seeing like they're coming out with this immense amount of debt on top of how much cost everything else has. Yeah, I don't know. Are you gonna be hard pressed on your kids to go to university? I mean, I've always had that mindset because I went to school, right? I did a couple of degrees and like, you know, my parents didn't push me towards it, but they certainly, you know, they encouraged it. And, you know, it was, that's kind of always, I never kind of planned for anything different. It was just kind of always the, the thought in my head that I was going to go to university and I was going to go to engineering school. And then after engineering school was done, I I realized I didn't want to be an engineer. So I went to (laughs) business school. Right. So, but one thing I wanted to make it and I kind of tie in here as well. And I think the key takeaway, Neil, is that, Skilled trades are obviously in more in higher demand now, yeah, right than they were. And you know, it's probably been that way for five plus years now. So people who went to school when you were going to school, who went into a trade, you know, and didn't have that amount of student debt, are probably pretty well off now. And they probably got into the housing market a little bit earlier. A yeah. lot of factors kind of playing into that their favor. But the one thing I wanted to mention here is that the trend now is the opposite of what it was during the last recession in 2008, 2009, when coming out of that recession, almost all employers were looking for university-educated employees. Yeah, And that's the time, that was right around the time when I graduated from engineering, went to work, and then the whole half the workforce got laid off. And it was a perfect opportunity for me to go back because I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. Yeah. And I went and got my MBA at that point, right? And, and a lot of people were in a similar boat in my class as well. So I just thought that was super interesting. And, you know, it's worked great for me, that that education path that I've taken. I know a lot of people as well who have done university degrees who, you know, don't work in their fields, haven't been able to find strong employment, their jobs and their income hasn't appreciated as fast as they would have expected as well. Whereas, yeah. you know, working in the skilled trades, you know, as soon as you, you've got your red seal or whatever, you, you whatever trade you're in when you're fully Straight accredited. to the max. Exactly. Exactly. You're already making a strong income and that just continues to accumulate pretty quickly rather than having to climb that corporate ladder and doing, you know, five years as an analyst role before you get promoted type thing. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I think actually the other last thing I'll say about that is just like that exact concept of it's very quickly that you become a skilled tradesperson where you can basically charge max dollar early on. 
And so right now you have 20-year-olds that are making crazy numbers versus a lot of people who have gone through post-secondary like university type accreditations and they're at the base. They're still working their way up. And so you might see over the next 20 years that the the degree-based positions outpace the growth in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like they might have a more steady growth all the way through. And so then they'll continue to end up surpassing in their mid-30s and then continue to grow from there. And I will say in my experience of having hired people, if they do have a degree, you can kind of tell there's a little bit different work ethic. I think the biggest thing is it's an understanding of like the independence. I don't necessarily mean in comparison to post like a different like a college, but I will say if they have some sort of post-secondary I think there's an understanding that like when they're assigned a task or whatever it is, they're just on their own. They have to be able to accomplish that. There's a resourcefulness that that comes with it versus if you haven't completed any, you're just coming straight out of high school. I think the mindset's a little bit different. I think you're more so referring to engineering students versus business students, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) That was a joke. I've been on both sides. Uh, There's plenty of great people out there with business degrees too, but uh, uh, just kidding. Let's move along. (laughs) You're allowed to say that because you have both. It's okay. (laughs) Exactly. Anything else on that one, Neil? No, no. It's. I think that'll be a debate. And again, it's a time-based debate. And I I think, like we just said, I think in 20 years, it might swing back around and be like, Sure. You know what I mean? But absolutely. Anyways, let's get into uh, get into some business planning. Let's do it. Let's do it. So yeah, we wanted to touch on this today. And we we're going to keep this relatively high level, but just thought it was very topical this time of year to talk about business planning, specifically how we approach it, you know, given we're just coming into the new year here. But the first thing we really wanted to touch on for business planning is really how did your past year go? And did you hit your targets? Right. So just kind of do a high level year-end recap how did 2023 go for the business how did it go personally right so yep. a couple of things you can look at what went right what went right for the business what were the good things going on in the business the big wins what yep. went wrong you know what could have been better what didn't go the way is expected and then another one that we touched on recently neil was going through your top strengths and your top weaknesses right to just kind of have like a full view and you might not just want the management team to do this. You might want the whole staff to go through this independently and say, what do you think our top three or top five strengths are? And what are our mm-hmm. top five weaknesses? Because you, yeah. you may get stuff that comes up that you didn't even think of, right? That that's something that you can really hone in on and, and look to improve in the future. I think these are crucial, especially weaknesses. I think for anyone in any level of position to be able to self-reflect and look at what they need to improve. And I think not that people don't, but maybe they don't take the time to really consider it. Because when you do, if you then think about what you need to do to fix those things, almost any of those things in your weakness category can be changed. Like it's not yeah. like my biggest weakness is I'm five six. Well, unfortunately, that's not something that we're going to be able to to fix. But it doesn't matter how many books you read, maybe you could stand on them. But the, <laughs> oh, the but I'm just like I think that was something. One of my weaknesses for a while was I wasn't looking at my weaknesses, and so I wasn't training to improve them. And then they were starting to compound and take over everything I did. So yeah, I love doing these. I had missed doing it, I think, during the last couple of years during COVID, simply because make sure of just you got so busy in the real estate industry. And then also, I would say I'm very guilty of this. Like The success levels were so high, and it felt like everything was doing so well that it almost went to the wayside because it felt like it didn't need to take place. Yeah, 
I was just going to jump in and say the exact same thing, Neil. It's easy to not focus on what's not going right and what your weaknesses are as a person or a business when things are going extraordinarily well, like they did for multiple years in a row here. But the problem is, is that all these good cycles come to an end, right? And eventually, (laughs) you know, you got to prepare for those headwinds coming against you and figure out, you know, those weaknesses, you know, you could have been working on during that time to enable you to continue to push through when times are more tough. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Are we going, are we going to dive into some of these at all? Or what's your thoughts? I think we'll keep it high level for now. I got a couple okay. things I want to dive in at later on here, but I just kind of, I'll quickly kind of run through, but obviously interject whenever, whenever you got anything here, Neil, but okay. what I wanted to wrap up with kind of the year end recap is basically to use this information that you've gathered, whether it's from yourself or from your team. So use these answers to shape your strategy for the following year. Okay. Yeah. So whether it's the strengths, weaknesses, things that went well, things that didn't go so well. And then use that to shape your strategy. So if one of your big weaknesses was you didn't post on social media as much as you wanted to, or you didn't start that podcast, right? So, and use that for 2024, say, I'm going to do X social media posts per week. I'm going to do three social media posts per week. And I'm going to do one video and two posts or two stories or whatever it might be. Or if you're looking at just, you know, the units you're going to turn in your business, you know, maybe you did one deal per week in 2023 and you want to bump that up to two or three. So use that. And say, I'm now going to do, I don't know, 10 deals per month, eight deals per month, whatever it might be. And the key thing here is to not just say this or think this in your head, like actually write it down, like have a document that tracks this and holds you accountable. So you can go back on a monthly or quarterly or annual basis and say, did we hit this month or this quarter or this this year's targets, right? I think that's pretty critical. 100%. I think something that you're doing, and this is how you're doing this very well, and it's how you think. But make sure it's something that's measurable. So you're saying, I want to do eight deals. I want to do 10 deals. Don't just say, I want to do more deals. Because that's not something you can measure. You can't measure like a win or a loss off of that. You don't know how you're performing against it. You can, you know what I mean? Like it's a very abstract thing. So unfortunately, like even if you do do more deals, you might not feel great or you might not feel like you succeeded because you didn't have a measurable target that you were trying to achieve. And it's really hard to determine if you're making the right changes. I, I've, I think that was a big struggle that I had. Even when I went back through my list a couple of days ago, I was just reading it and like, this has no measurable like thing that I can say I've accomplished that. It just says, do better at this. And I'm like, okay, I need to, what is doing better? Let me outline that with something that I can actually achieve and put a check mark next to when I've accomplished that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has to be measurable. Neil, I was mentioning to you a, a book I read recently that was recommended by my business coach. And it, it's called... Um, very applicable for small business and and entrepreneurs called Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0 or BE 2.0. And the book really focuses on scaling a business, leadership, strategy, and what kind of comes out of your strategy, your vision, your mission for your business. And that's where I kind of got a lot of these ideas from as well going forward. So for example, you you come up with your vision for your business, right? And you spend some time, you look as a team, you know, what do we want to do? What do we want to do in one year, three years, 10 years from now? And using that vision, you start to shape the strategy. So whether it's on an annual basis, quarterly basis, whatever it might be, you do an internal assessment, like we mentioned, you know, you look at your strengths, your weaknesses, and you get your assessment from there. But you also want to do an external assessment too, right? So looking at the industry as a whole, looking at Mm -hmm. the geography that you lend in or that you work in, right? So what industry trends are happening in this area? What's the competition doing? 
what technologies come out that's setting you ahead of your competitors or what could you look at from an AI perspective? Yep. You know, chat GPT, all these things here, like how could you layer in to improve and to grow your business? So the real big takeaway here is that you want to use this to kind of dictate your strategy, this internal external assessment. And then from there, pick your top three to five strategic priorities, assign an order to each of them, you know, whose department does this fall under? Okay, that person owns this. And then have regular check-ins throughout the year, yeah. right? Quarterly, biannual, annual check-ins. And that will really help you be successful and, and hold yourself accountable. Yeah, yeah. Just listening to you too, it's, it's something you really have to make an effort on. Like you said, you want to, this is not where you just quickly sit down and you type out, okay, these are the five things that I want. Like you said, you want to actually sit down, have a organized sheet that you're basically filling out and you're going to think about this. You might come back to it over the course of one or two days do some research on what's going on in the industry outside of your space. See, like I said, when you're trying to figure out how to do better, look at people who are succeeding or what people are doing that's new and and, and what's working and figure out what fits for you. Something too that I'm going to add, depending, I mean, depends what type of position you're in. If you're an independent operator or just trying to improve yourself, sometimes I think these are tough because I think people get bogged down where, and I'm guilty of this, where I've, I'm like, okay, these are things I did wrong. Like I wasn't great on the accounting side of things. Like I wish my accounting was tighter. I absolutely hate accounting no matter like no matter how many goal lists I write it on. Like it's just something that I find extremely painstaking and it doesn't interest me and I avoid it like the plague. Like I keep all my receipts, but I just don't ever want to see them again once they go into the bag. And so as part of a goal, something you should consider is you look at this and go, okay, I hate my accounting. Instead of making it a goal that I know I'm not gonna be able to achieve and then I'm going to be disappointed in myself again, how can I make this achievable? Okay, so my goal for 2024 is to get a bookkeeper in-house, right? Or for someone that might be utilize a third-party bookkeeping service or utilize a, an app that tracks my mileage so that I don't have to use my mileage log or whatever it may be or use Mortgage Automator to help me manage my lending system. So I think that's also something to consider when you're writing this down because I think a lot of people put down things that they've wanted for 10 years, they've never achieved and like, well, it's on my list now for this year, so it's happening. And it's like, why is it not happening? Let's take a minute to look back. And then if it's something that you just absolutely detest, like maybe make your goal to make an extra $1,000 this year so you can take that $1,000 and pay someone to do the thing that you really don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, Neil. And I'm, I'm glad you shared that as well. And I think, you know, a couple of mine, just kind of looking through my reflections from 2023, um, you know, not necessarily delegating enough. You know, I've always had that issue where, You've done something for so many years before and you're comfortable with it. You can do it. But is that activity actually improving your business? Could you hand that off to someone? Even if it takes them five times as long to do it, it's still coming off of your desk. And chances are when you train someone to do it and they go through it two or three or four times, they'll be just as good as you are. And now that priority is off your desk, right? And you freed up yourself for another hour, another five hours, depending on the task. A great book that I just read buy back your time. I recommend Mm -hmm. it to anyone. It was neat. One thing that they said that I'm going to try and start employing now is if you're trying to remove a task off your list and you're maybe struggling to teach the next person. And I, it's always tough, right? Because when you go through it, you might go through it quickly and it's easy because you've done it a hundred times, but the next person might not necessarily feel as comfortable. And it's not a super simple systematic thing. They said to just take your camera, put it on record, have it pointed at yourself or what you're doing and talk as you're doing it. And if it's 10 minutes, it takes the task, takes you 10 minutes, do a 10 minute recording, talk all the way through it, and then pass that video to the person that you're trying to train to do it. 
because then they have something they can rewatch, they can pause, and they can follow it through step by step. This way, you can actually get it off your get it off your plate. You know what I mean? Because by the time you you're going to show them once, and it's gonna, the first time you show them is going to take you 20 minutes. Then you're going to show them twice, you another 20 minutes, and so you're going to end up doing that 15 times. Versus if you have a recording, it might only take you once or twice. Yeah, I absolutely love that, Neil. I think that's a great idea. And you know, taking that even one step further, I was on a a Zoom call a couple of weeks ago. And the guy I was on the call with had an AI assistant on the call. No Basically way. there just, to, just to transcribe everything. Yeah. And he sent me the transcript after. It had everything like categorized into different topics that were covered. It was incredible. It was incredible. No I'll try to quickly way. pull up the name of it here. But holy, I was blown away. But yeah, I mean, this stuff's readily available now, right? And and just like you said, Neil, it can be just as simple as recording yourself, you know, taking the 10 minutes to record yourself. So someone has something to look back upon. You know, one thing Zach and I are huge on is whenever we have a new process that comes into, into place, we do a process document for it. We take the 15 minutes to write the process document, yeah. do screenshots of different aspects of the business, because when we continue to grow and, and hire more people and they come in, we want easy access for them to come in and feel comfortable that they can readily access information. Yeah. And you can pass it down and not have to be overseeing the whole process every time. Yeah. That AI tool, Neil, was called uh, grain.com. G-R-A-I-N.com. Pretty cool. Very cool. Might have to start using that. My only thing is, I guess it depends on the call. I feel like there's certain calls I would definitely want that to be done with. A lot of calls, maybe not. But yeah, that I feel like, yeah. yeah. Has to be the right environment. Yeah, 100%. Okay, now, is that everything? Because I say we do have to share, you have to share a couple goals off your 2024. Oh, you want me to share a couple goals? You got to share a couple goals. We got to give a couple whole... Outside, like you're talking personal or, or professional goals? Eh, they can be either. Just okay. some of the fun ones. What do you got on there? Give me a couple fun goals. Well, I don't know if this is considered fun or not, but one like <laughs> I've been working on a lot, and I tell you guys this all the time, is getting better at saying no, right? Uh, like yes. not being afraid to say no to people. And whether it's like your time being taken up or if it's like a, a borderline deal that you're not sure if you should say yes or no to, like if your gut's telling you no, like say no. That's been a big one for me for the last year plus. It'll continue to be next year as well. And outside of that, I mean, I don't know if it's exciting or not, but, you know, I want to continue to obviously spend more time with my family, continue to, you know, achieve personal freedom, go explore the world, live that life a little bit, hopefully, once things continue to grow for us. But nothing super exciting on my end, Neil. But you look like you got something exciting on the tip of your tongue, so hit me with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, my list is a, is a mixed bag of things. But one thing I'm going to ask you is to the saying no concept, how can you measure that? What's a good way for you to mm. just food for thought? I don't know if you already have a way of doing that. Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. And maybe I should go a little deeper on that to make sure that um, it is something measurable. You got me. You got me right now. I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> just throwing it out there. Keeping me in check. Yeah. I Because, <laughs> well, because, so I'll be honest with you, one of the ones that I have on here is take control of your brand. And then I was sitting there and I'm like, I know what that means. But like, if I were to try mm -hmm. and give it to somebody else on a list, they'd be like, what the hell does that entail? And so then I was like, I got to break this down. So restart the Master Keys podcast. It's been on pause for way too long. Mm -hmm. Be proud of my Instagram. 
right now when I open it, I'm not like, damn, that's a nice Instagram page. And I want to be able to have that moment where I open it and I'm like, I like my social media. Start posting on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'd like to become active on LinkedIn and then uh, rebrand MKR. So I'm also not proud of the real estate brand that we have. We've been really okay. good because we have a ton of volume, but it, I don't love the brand. So yeah, the podcasting hopefully starts in two weeks and the MKR brand is in the process of getting redone. So that was one of them. What exciting ones do I have on here? Buy a business, mm. buy a new absentee business that cash flows. I'm not going to say how much, but a new absentee business that cash flows. And then I'll give, let's see, I got a bunch on here. Finish pilot's license. Nice. Those are the three that I'll, I'll share. But there's, again, just try to make measurable ones that I think are achievable. And I was same thing. I try to make a couple that I could achieve in a short period of time, like in the next 30 to 60 days. Because then I actually feel motivated to keep using this list. Because if everything's like something I can't achieve until November, the yeah. likelihood of me looking at that list will drop off dramatically. But if I'm able to like in two weeks check off like, oh, cool, I got the podcast started. It's like that's boom, there's a check on it. Like, you know what I mean? Then I feel like I'll be actually using it more frequently throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah. And what should be on there too is us moving in uh, in studio, hopefully very soon. Yes, exactly. That's... Maybe the next recording, fingers crossed. Episode 14, okay. we'll be sitting face-to-face, maybe. Going to hold you to it, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> it's the technology, man. It's everything. I'm sitting here as we're doing this. I'm like, God, this actually works really well. It does. I just, there's a different aspect when you're in person. For sure. That I hope we're able to gain. And I think it'll benefit the listeners. I think they'll enjoy it a little bit more as well. So, Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. But, well... That's where I'll uh, I'll leave with the goals. So I don't bore you guys too much, but uh, I'll get my hair back. Then maybe that should put that on my goal list. <laughs> you still got enough there. We're seeing a little bit, but it's, it's going. Like, it's go like eight weeks. You go for it. Going for it. Oh boy. But uh, yeah. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening, and for you guys who have listened for Master Keys, you're always so good about DMing me or shooting messages on the posts, asking questions. If you guys are listening to this and there's something that's in your head, message Ryan or I, email us, yeah. comment on the posts. We'd love to answer it. We have some that have been doing that and thank you for doing so. So we were going to answer some questions on a coming podcast, but I'm sure lots of you guys have questions regarding this industry. I did and still have a ton. And so we'd love to get the opportunity to answer them and research them and, and bring the information to you guys. So yeah, absolutely. Well said, Neil. You know, we really appreciate the the listeners we have on here. And if it is your first time listening, please do follow us. I like the podcast. And uh, if you don't mind leaving a five-star review as well, that'll certainly help us out, help us grow the podcast. And we want to keep bringing quality content to you guys. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's Neil Andrino, your co-host and your co-founder at Keystone Capital and Director of Investor Relations. I'm also a real estate agent, real estate investor, and business owner. And your co-host here, Ryan McNeil. I'm the co-founder and president of Keystone Capital Group. Keystone Capital Group is licensed under the Mortgage Regulations Act of Nova Scotia, license number 3000549, and through FCMB, license number 88799. And keep in mind, the views of this podcast are for informational purposes only and is not financial advice.